0: Hi this is Amber and welcome to today's podcast. My website is sacredspacehealing.org, that's sacredspacehealing.org. I'm a Reiki master and a shamanic practitioner and my work specializes on healing core wounds, sacred union work, life purpose work and transformation calls and readings. The website again is sacredspacehealing.org. So today's podcast is a question that I would like to put out there, a question that I that I pose to you, and the question is, what are you consuming? What are you consuming? And by consuming, I mean not just in terms of um, the food that you may be ingesting, and we're going to look at that, but also the music that you listen to, the the films that you watch, the conversations that you have, what are you consuming? We are what we consume. You know, we we hear that phrase, you are what you eat, and we are, we are what we consume. We are the product of the music that we listen to, the movies we watch, the books that we read, the conversations we have. We are the product of the people we are intimate with. We are the product of what we eat. Um, It affects the cells in our body, it affects our blood, it affects our nervous system, it affects uh, our, our faculties um you'll often hear that uh, look at who you who you surround yourself with you know who are the the five uh, the five most important people around you who are the people that are around you in your life and and that's who you will become and so often um i see this in in work situations you know those that are quite machiavellian will surround themselves with those that they want to be more like you know so they they will tend to have a friendship circle that is uh Filled with those that are wealthy or connected in some way or powerful, they don't want to concern themselves with those that are down and out or those that are less than in some way because they feel that it will draw their energy down. And that's that's actually a a topic for a separate podcast because I think we've gone way in the other direction of what it means to have compassion, connection, and humanity. But we definitely are the product of what we consume, and I, I I want to draw your attention first to the energy of food. So it's interesting to note that we tend to have very little connection between what we consume, what we put in our bodies, and, and our place in the world, who we are, what we stand for, um, what our belief system is. So we'll happily consume fast food, additives, sugar, uh, alcohol, drugs, um, food that is factory farmed, Um, food that is uh, grown in greenhouses and, as I like to say, Petri dishes, you know, food that isn't real. We'll gladly consume it. And then we wonder why we don't feel strong. We wonder why we feel tired, why why our lives feel out of alignment, why we feel out of alignment. We wonder why we have heart disease. We wonder why we have diabetes. We wonder why... We're not the fittest example that we can be. We wonder why we put on weight, why we have cellulite, why our skin doesn't look good, why we don't sleep well, and we don't see the connection that we're making between what we're consuming and who we are. And it isn't just about consuming, you know, the most organic food. It isn't about spending loads of money. It isn't about getting your hand-delivered boxes of freshly cut meat from the butchers or you know, going to a farmer's market at the weekend, that's not what this is about. It's about the energy of what you're consuming, because everything is energy, including our food. Now, I remember years ago, reading spiritual texts, um, and, and reading about great spiritual leaders like the Buddha, like Gandhi, like Jesus, um, you know, these greats that we look up to, in in many ways that we we say I could never be like that I could never be so filled with compassion and love for humanity how will I ever get there and and reading about their lifestyle you know and that their lifestyle involved meditation yoga regular fasting veganism um, prayer spiritual practice connection with the land and and a lot of time away from society you know away in solitude as well as very close ties to their community and actively spending time with those that needed, that were needy, that were um, outcast in some way. And and this is a running theme of these greats. Um, And we see it with other greats, you know, we see it with other greats in history that we've really looked up to is that there is a common thread, and the common thread is these practices, these practices of not bringing harm into the world, of ahimsa, which is that we do not cause suffering to any other living being. Not only do we not cause suffering to ourselves, but we do not cause suffering to others. And as the Buddhists talk about, you know, suffering is what keeps us trapped in these cycles of karma, these cycles of despair, is suffering of thought, suffering of emotion, suffering of the body so what we strive to do is to live a life that is free from suffering and of course if we want to be free from suffering then we have to also not be inflicting that upon others so I remember reading about these greats and thinking well I don't think I can do that like I've kind of got the meditation thing down I don't do yoga every day, but I do enough of it. I do enough exercise. Yeah, I think I'm helping people in my community. There's absolutely no way I could be vegan. Um, that's not going to work. Like, these people seem to live off nothing. You hear about fruitarians and breatharians, and I don't think I could fast for, for those long periods of time. But I had done retreats. You know, I'd done my vision quests and burial ceremonies and so on, and I felt, well, I've done that. And over time, as my practice grew and as I, as I was seeking to to deepen my spiritual practice and to also deepen my connection to god spirit universe to my higher self i i did take on more of these practices so i have undergone long periods of fasting i did 31 days at one time where i was fasting for 20 hours a day sometimes longer 22 and on upon breaking my fast each day i not only did i feel incredible gratitude for the fact that i had a home i had a fridge i had electricity i was able to cook i had food And the food that I was eating became the most delicious food in the world, you know. But I also put a lot of care and attention into my food. I spent a lot of time preparing my food. But I also discovered through fasting that that the emptiness within me allowed me to, to not be filled with distraction. And I was able to look at what else was within me. And it was often layers of unexplored emotion that were then coming out, you know, whether it was anger or grief or sadness or tiredness or confusion or whatever it was. And I also discovered through fasting that because I needed to conserve my energy, I mean, I was still working as a healer when I was fasting. I really didn't want to engage in in anything that was going to deplete my energy. So that meant that I didn't lose my temper. I didn't um, get involved in any unnecessary dramas. I just walked away. And it was very easy to walk away because the choice was, well, I can stay here and have an argument with someone and get upset. And that's just going to really deplete what little reserves I have left. Or I can walk away. I can stay and engage in this, you know, this this conversation that is bitching, moaning, malicious gossip or whatever, or I can just walk away. So it purified me on many levels. And I found it transformative when I did that period of 31 days of fasting. Um, it, it, it transformed my body. It transformed my skin. It transformed my health. I found that a lot of conditions that I was struggling with just cleared up, a lot of skin conditions cleared up, my skin cleared up. I found that I actually paradoxically had more energy and my healings were a lot more focused in many ways. Um, and my thinking was very focused. You know, I didn't have didn't have the energy to be caught up in lots of thoughts that were draining me. So I had very focused thoughts. And yes, a lot of those thoughts were around survival. You know, what am I going to have for dinner? But a lot of those other thoughts were, were things that... Um, that were important to me and so I wasn't caught up in the unnecessary so I found the fasting practice to be pretty transformative and I understood then why it became part of these spiritual greats you know why it was a part of their life and I have dabbled with um a daily yoga practice for many years from quite a young age and I've always found it transformative to have that daily practice of connecting in and tuning into my body and what my body is telling me communicating to me what needs to be released and and so on but it's not been until recently that I've really powerfully made the connection between what I am consuming and who I am um a few weeks ago I mean quite recently I watched a film called Dominion which some of you might have heard of it's um narrated by Wakim by phoenix um and i think it was released in 2017 or 18 so it's a very recent film um and it's uh it's it's created by the same documentary filmmaker that made earthlings and lucent um crystal force and um it uh, dominion uh takes its secret cameras mostly um, on farms in Australia and New Zealand but across the world really um, but predominantly in Australia and New Zealand looking at the farming industry and where we get our meat from and I, it, takes us, it takes you through all, all of the animal groups if you like so you go through pigs and cows, the cattle, um, sheep, lambs, chicken, turkey, rabbits, dogs and fish and it and it takes you through all of our kind of major food groups, if you like, and our and our major sustenance groups. And I ha- have to say, hand on heart, I didn't know any of this. I mean, I could have found out at any time. I could have googled. I certainly knew that factory farming wasn't good. You know, we'd we'd had scares. In the past, around mad cow disease and salmonella and so on, and, and you 'd sort of see these terrible stories in the news about battery battery chickens and um, and you know cows being fed all kinds of horrible food and that 's why they develop mad cow disease and so the response to that when it 's in the media is to suddenly kind of say well i 'm not going to eat any more beef or i 'm not going to eat any more eggs and We had a long time when, it, when we were being told how to cook eggs and we were being told not to eat beef. And that's what you did. You just didn't eat beef and you didn't eat eggs for a period of time. I remember when the salmonella scare happened that, you know, I went from I was a very, very young and I went from sort of, you know, having that runny egg that you can dip your toast in, you know, egg and soldiers to having these eggs that would sort of be cremated because you'd have to cook them and cook them and cook them to make sure that they were safe to eat. But but we still cooked them and we still ate them and that we didn't eat beef. And that if you were ever going to eat any red meat, it would again be cremated so that it, it could be safe to eat. And so I remember that that's where our relationship with food went. But we continued to consume the thing that could harm us in some way without looking at why it could harm us in some way. So when I watched uh, Dominion, I pretty much sobbed my eyes out for the whole duration of the film in a in a way that I haven't cried in a very long time. I mean, it, it was... At one point, I didn't think I could watch the film because the horror of it was just overwhelming. I did not know that the farming industry treated animals in this way. I did not know that animals were being abused and butchered and massacred and raped and tortured in the name of, you know, burgers, in the name of bacon, in the name of wool. I didn't know that this is what was happening. And I've been therefore consuming without knowledge for however many years of my life. And I have bought into, I had bought into the the programming, the matrix that, you know, when you I remember growing up and, you know, seeing ad- advertisements for cheese and you, you'd always, you sort of get a, a moo in the background. You know, this happy cow would kind of moo at you and then you'd, you'd see a, a cow kind of running through the fields or you'd get these advertisements for lamb and you'd see lamb kind of skipping through the fields and then you see this lamb dish where you see, you know, your cheese and you you think, well, the animal had a really happy life and it gladly gave its life to me because that's what animals are here to do. Animals are here to give their life to humans so humans can live because this is how humans can survive. And I gladly bought into that matrix and that programming for a very long time because my family didn't think anything different and I didn't see anything different in the media, in, in, you know, in television, in cinema. I wasn't being told anything different. Of course, the interesting thing is that as children, we we grow up watching cartoons where animals speak. You know, I read Charlotte's Web when I was very young, and that's about a pig farm. And, you know, we we grow up with cartoons and books where animals talk and, and rescue humans and um, work in collaboration with humans. And then at some point, we sort of make that disconnect, which is called speciesism. We make that disconnect and we suddenly see animals as inferior to us and that they're here to serve us. They're here to keep us warm. They're here to keep us fed. So I was kind of getting a crash course in all of this as I was watching Dominion. And I absolutely hysterically sobbed my eyes out. You know, at one point I had to take a break from the film because I just couldn't watch anymore. And the the first... The first farm, if you like, that it takes you to is pig farming. And I had no idea what happens to pigs. I did not know that, for example, you know, pigs have the the ca- capabilities, the capacity, the cognitive reasoning of dogs and of a three-year-old. They respond to their names, the, the mothers sing to their babies, um, they're clean animals, um, they feel pain, they feel fear, they feel, they feel emotion. Um... I didn't know any of these things. So a pig to me was uh, a dirty animal that, that lay in the mud and that, um, uh, became sausages and and bacon and so on. I, I, I really didn't know what the, the, um, the personality of a pig could be, you know, like what, what were their capabilities? What are they capable of doing? Do they feel the same emotions that humans do? I didn't know that. So watching this documentary, I saw the intense suffering the pigs go under, and the fact that they are bred to be killed, they're bred to be food, and that the mothers are caged in cages where they can barely move. I mean they can't move. Um often their young die in these cages with them. The piglets have their tails cut off um without anesthetic. Um and then the piglets are separated from their mothers. Uh, the, the, the the food that we eat we're often eating piglets that are under a year old um, the mother is just there to keep giving birth to keep giving birth to all these piglets until eventually she's no use anymore and then she's killed off that the way the farmers treat the animals with stun guns and kicking um, that they're not given medicine that they're forced to sleep in their, in their own excrement that they're forced to eat their own excrement that they're, they're put into pens where they are piled up on top of each other and pigs are social animals and they like to they like to have community and they like to look after their community. They like to live in clean spaces, and when they're confined like that, like any human being, they start to go mad. And in their madness to want to be free from this confined space, they turn on each other, and 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 they start eating each other, and attacking each other. They start gnawing at the bars of their cages, frothing at the mouth because they're desperate to be freed. The piglets, before they're taken to be killed, are screaming, and those screams are like the screams of a child knowing that they're going to be killed. It was absolutely harrowing and I had no idea. And then I suddenly remembered this, the spiritual truth that I had read for many, many years that when you consume animals that have been slaughtered, you are consuming the energy of fear. You're consuming the energy of death. You're consuming the energy of stress and sadness and grief and I never understood that until I watched this documentary that the moment you eat that animal, just imagine the levels of stress hormones that have gone through that animal 's body. And just think about it when you 're stressed you know if you 're stressed because you 're scared you know imagine imagine getting locked up in a dark room in a cell somewhere and you 're taken away from your family, you have no food, you have no warmth, you have no love, you have no nourishment. You're not allowed to go out. You're not allowed to see daylight. You're not allowed to go out to use the bathroom. You have to urinate and defecate where you live. There's not enough food, so you end up just eating what you've urinated and what you've defecated. You're in pain, but there's no one that can help you. You you never know when this is going to end. It seems endless. Imagine what that does to your body, to the cells in your body, the kind of sickness that that creates in your body energetically, spiritually, emotionally, physically. Why would we want to consume the energy of that, which is exactly what we're doing when we're consuming animals that have been farmed and slaughtered? The slaughter process isn't a magical process where one minute they're fine and the next minute they're not. Pigs are gassed with CO2 and it's a painful death death that burns their insides. So they're taken into vats and they're lowered into these gas chambers, but they're lowered too slowly so it's a very painful and slow death. And you can hear their screams from miles outside. I mean, pure screams that go on for hours. This is how a pig dies and we then consume that energy when we eat that meat. And just because it's filled with fillers and preservatives and sugar and salt and spices, and it's made into pepperami and it's made into, you know, sausage meat and bacon and whatever else it's made into, and it tastes something, it's a chemical release that we get. We don't realize the energy of what we're consuming, but that's the energy of what we're consuming, fear and death. Similarly, with cows in the dairy industry, cows are very young. I mean, they're usually killed by the time they're about five because they're spent by then. So it's actually, it's it's baby cows that are having to go through this. A female cow is artificially inseminated, so pretty much raped so she can get pregnant um and once she's pregnant her calves are taken away from her because she starts to lactate she starts to produce milk to feed her babies but her babies are taken away from her so they won't take the milk and that milk then becomes the milk that is part of our dairy industry that is our cheese that is our milk that is our um whatever else we use you know milk for i mean it's in everything I've been dairy free for twenty years, so I, I I've seen what it's like to, to try and get stuff that's dairy free. We've come a long, long way, but it was very hard twenty years ago. Milk dairy was in everything. So her carbs are taken away, and if they're male calves, they're no use because they don't produce milk, and so they're killed at about one or two days old. They're babies. They're babies that are killed at one or two years old, one or two days old. And that's veal, and that becomes the meat that we eat. So effectively, veal is us eating a baby. The mothers, it's shown, grieve for their babies for weeks, if not months They call out in the fields or the farms wherever they are, hoping that their baby will return to them, but their baby never does. And the babies cry out for their mothers because they want their mother's milk. When the mothers are eventually killed at around five years old because they can't produce any more milk, they're five years old. That's what we consume when we eat our beef burgers, when we eat our steaks. We consume the energy of fear, of rape, of sadness, of grief, of loss similarly with chickens chickens are social animals they have their own societal structure which is known as a pecking order um, and when they are crammed into small cages they have no space to fly they have no space to walk about they don't feel the sunlight on their faces um, they have no they, they're sitting in their own excrement again their beaks are cut when they're just born so that they won't harm each other or harm themselves without anaesthetic. their beaks are cut um, and in these spaces, they start to go slightly mad because they're cramped in such a tight space. So they attack each other. They they pluck at themselves. They're also reared. Um, and bred to be bigger than a chicken normally would be because our demand for meat is so intense now. So they grow to a size that's not natural for them and they grow to such a size that their body weight is something that they cannot hold up. Their legs aren't strong enough. So a lot of these chickens are unable to move around. They're just forced to just collapse and lie back because they can't even stand up straight under the weight of the meat that they're they've been bred to carry and they're often killed under a year old i mean they're, again they're killed as babies um and when little chicks are born all the male chicks are, are put in a grinder and instantly ground up and killed because they're of no use because they don't lay eggs and so that's our egg industry so that's what we're consuming And this is the question that I ask you, what are you consuming? Because how on earth do we think that we can live a spiritually aligned life, a life where the cells in our body are filled with life, filled with joy, filled with love and compassion, when we're consuming the energy of fear and death and rape and grief and sadness and torture and pain and desolation? How do we possibly think that our cells, the blood in our body, the... Anything in our body is going to respond in any way other than to take on the energy of that which we consume. Now people say that plants feel pain too, and so when you 're cutting up your carrot or your celery, you know they're, they're, that being is is they 're feeling pain and i don 't have an argument for that other than to say all i 've heard is that plants respond to stimuli but because they they don 't have the same they don't have brains basically they don't they don't have memory or brains or a nervous system in the way that animals do the level of pain that they're experiencing is much less than the level of pain that an animal is experiencing however time may tell us that this is also incorrect and i am no expert on this this is all that i have been um, that i've managed to glean what i do know is that our consumption of animals can be nothing but misaligned with a spiritual practice not only because we're consuming the energy of death and fear as I've said before but because our consumption of animals shows a lack of compassion for that which is different to us so it's a little bit like saying well it's okay for me to eat a refugee or a homeless person or a drug addict I mean it's a little bit like saying that really it's a little bit like you know very wealthy people saying well I'm going to eat some I'm going to go down to the local council estate and eat a couple of you know, a couple of people down there, there's just, they're just addicts and refugees. It's fine, I can eat them because they're different to me. And that's kind of effectively what we're doing with animals, is we're saying, well, I can eat a pig, I can eat a horse, I can eat a snake, because it's different to me. And you won't believe some of the things that I hear. I've, I've heard people say, I've had someone someone said, um, well, I eat chickens because I hate chickens. They're dirty, disgusting little things. I think they're vile, so I eat them. Um... And the same person said, I love horses, I think they're beautiful, I love them, but I'll eat horse meat. Uh, But I won't eat a snake, uh, because I think snakes are disgusting. I mean, do you see that that reasoning makes absolutely no sense? I love horses, so I eat them. I hate chickens, so I eat them. I mean, it makes no sense. And so what you often find is that when people try and rationalise why they eat certain animals and not other animals, they're unable to rationalise it. Like, why do we eat a pig, but we don't eat a dog? Why is our dog our loving pet, our best friend that we will share our life with and we will put little jackets on and we will buy treats for them, and we will take on holiday and do selfies with, but we won't see a pig in the same way. Well, it's because we've been told that pigs are dirty and stupid and they're only there for food, but that's not true. We need to step out of the programming that has kept us enslaved and kept, keeps us separated from our spiritual power and our spiritual truth. We cannot have compassion for the planet and for our pets and for each other if we do not have compassion for every living being. If we do not feel that there are other sentient beings on this planet that we are here to live alongside, not to dominate We are not the species that came here to dominate other species. We came here to live in harmony and we came here to learn how to live in harmony, to have our needs met without causing pain or suffering to another. And it is perfectly plausible to have our needs met without causing pain or suffering to another. We just need to reprogram ourselves into how we can do that. And I think one of the most empowering ways that we can do that is by looking at our relationship with animals. The fact that we produce more grain than is than than we feel is possible i mean we produce the amount of grain that we produce to, to feed livestock could could eradicate the the hunger crisis in the world but we spend it to feed livestock so we can have meat yet if we took that grain we could feed those that are starving in the world and they need not be starvation We are cutting down, uh, there is deforestation, we are are destroying, we're decimating land for for more and more farms so we can have more and more livestock. We are creating animals that are hybrids so we can have, so we can consume more. We've created forms of sheep that are now covered in, in wool whereas before they would have just had a strip of wool on them that would naturally fall off. And then that wool that naturally fell off would be something that we would then use to, to create something for ourselves that would give us warmth. But we got hungry, we got greedy, not hungry, we got greedy. And we started to find that we could create, we could screw with nature and we could create animals that fulfilled our, our greed, which is all it really is. If we track back to our ancestors, you know, our ancestors had to track This is where that phrase comes from, like tracking. They had to stalk their prey. They had to merge with it in order to stalk it. And there was a reverence to that because you revered the animal that you were stalking. You had to in order to be safe from harm from the very animal that you were stalking. When you got your animal, when you you slaughtered your animal, when you succeeded in the hunt, every single part of that animal was used up. Nothing went to waste. Every bone, every bit of meat... Every bit of skin was used. the skin was used to for warmth. it was used for homes um it was used to you know to make uh like bags and and things like that. you know it was it was used. every bit of the bone was used for for uh, utensils and 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 all kinds of things. It was used creatively every bit of that meat was used and it was stored and it was smoked and they our ancestors found ways to make that meat last a whole year so in actual fact what our ancestors did was they probably killed one or two animals a year in order to live and the rest of the time they lived in harmony with the land they didn't eat meat three times a day seven days a week 365 days of the year they made it last for a whole year the rest of the time, they ate what was there. They ate in season. They ate with, in harmony with the land. When the feathers were found, they used those feathers as decoration or to make something. When they found the wool, they used the wool. If they found an animal that had died naturally, they used what needed to be used from the animal. But they didn't go out and kill an animal every day because they couldn't kill an animal every day. It's a lot to ask. And so this is the question that we need to ask ourselves. Could you tomorrow go out there and and slaughter a pig and skin it and pull out its, its insides and cook it up? Could you tomorrow go out there and break a chicken's neck or slaughter a lamb or kill a cow, skin it and eat it? Because... The fact that we don't do that means we have become disconnected and desensitized to the whole process. But our ancestors did do that. And that's why they didn't eat meat every single day of the week. They didn't consume fear and death to that level. They savored what they had managed to hunt down. And there was a reverence to it. And they thanked the animal. Thank you for gifting me your life so I may live. And we have taken that premise and abused it. We're not living in harmony with the land anymore. We're imposing our greed onto the land. So the question is, what are you consuming in every area of your life? And let's look at food because there are other areas, you know, there's music, there's what we're watching, what we're listening to, what we're engaging in. But actually this relationship with the land and with animals covers everything because it also covers animal testing, animal cruelty. So the makeup that you wear, are you wearing makeup? The only reason you're wearing it is because some rabbit, some monkey, some dog, some mouse suffered incredible pain and died so you could wear that eyeliner. But there's no need for that. And our ancestors didn't do that. Our ancestors used natural products that weren't going to cause horrific reactions on their skin for self-adoration, for self-adornment. We don't do that. We want more and more and more, but we're not living in harmony with the land with our environment, with the world. The perfumes that we wear, yes, they are tested on animals. Animals suffer so we can smell nice, but there's no reason why an animal has to suffer so we can smell nice when nature gives us plenty of natural oils, natural scents, natural ways of making perfume so we can smell nice. The shoes that we wear, the coats that we wear, You know, our ancestors would have a coat that was made of the skins of every animal that they'd ever hunted, skins that they had found, and it would be a coat of pride. This is who I am. These are the animals that I've hunted down so my family can live. These days, we just pop to the the nearest store on Oxford Street, and we buy ourselves a coat. We wear it for a season, we throw it away, and we think nothing of the animals that died for that, needlessly died and suffered for that. And in terms of, like, sheepskin and sheepskin boots... That's not the natural uh, wool that's fallen off these animals. They've been skinned, and often they're skinned alive so we can have our sheepskin boots. Merino wool farms, a lot of the uh, lambs, their tails are cut off without anaesthetic at a young age, so as it tightens the skin, tightens the wool so it doesn't get matted. Sometimes their tails are tied until they turn blue and fall off. They're castrated at a very young age without anaesthetic. These are baby lambs. They're babies. Just so we can wear sheepskin boots. What are you consuming? What are you wearing? What are you engaging in? Because we cannot say that we love animals, we love this planet, that we're spiritual, that we've been on a yoga retreat, that we've done a cleanse, that we're connected to our higher self, that we know our spirit animal, whatever. All of that is bullshit. If what we have surrounded ourselves with is the energy of fear And death and destruction. This is a huge topic and I don't pretend, I don't claim to have all the answers or all the knowledge. I am still learning, I am still growing and evolving when it comes to this topic. But I wanted to place it out there and I ask you, I urge you to ask this question of yourself. What is it that I am consuming? Because you are what you consume. And there is no hope as long as you are consuming the energy of death, destruction, fear, rape, sadness and grief. I urge you as a practice to look around your life, to look at your feeding habits, to look into your fridge, to look into your wardrobes and ask yourself, what am I consuming? And are you truly at peace with that? That film is called uh, Dominion and it is free to watch. You just have to Google Dominion movement and it will come up. I urge you to watch it. I urge you to wake up. I urge you to step out of the matrix. I urge you to open your eyes. My website again is sacredspacehealing.org. Until the next time, so it is and so it shall be.